listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Uh, We're going to jump in. I wanted to deal with this today, give you guys uh, something that I find to be very important. And I'll tell you why before we get going. But I titled this, um, How to Dramatically Increase Your Gift. I believe there is a, a night service, Ryan, Abigail. I don't know if it's Ryan or Abigail. But uh, I think we got a morning service, night service. And uh, it's it's up on the website, right, right, Zach? It's up on the website. So all the details you might need, miracleword.com forward slash schedule. You can get it there. Um, I, I titled this today, uh, How to Dramatically Increase your gift, how to dramatically increase your gift. The reason I'm I'm dealing with this today is because one of the things that I'm noticing uh, in the body of Christ, obviously I can't speak for the world. However, it seems like people in the world don't have this problem as much, but when God gives you a gift, when you have a calling, a purpose on your life, a gift, Uh, we are required as faithful believers to be stewards of that gift, of that talent, whatever it is that God's put in your life to do, whatever that skill is that you're anointed to operate in. We are called as believers to take that gift, take that skill and to increase it and to develop it and to hone it uh, and to make it the very best it can be for the use of God's kingdom. And one of the things that I see that's kind of like a mistake is that you'll see Christians that think, well, just because I'm saved, just because of the Holy Ghost, you know, this, this stuff will just happen automatically. It will, uh, because, because I've got the Holy Ghost, he'll just, you know, he'll increase me when he sees fit. You know, it's almost like, uh, they've thrown it into cruise control and they're just saying, well, if God wants me to increase, he'll increase me. If God wants me to be effective, he'll make me effective. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. And I think one of the things that we can see from God's word is that principle found in Matthew chapter 25, where it's a parable that Jesus told about, uh, three servants, uh, who were left behind by their master. And he gave each one of them talents and those talents, he expected them to produce with those talents and uh, morning faith. He gives one of the servants five talents. One of them got two and one of them got one. Now this was not something that he did uh, by favoritism or sovereignty. This is something he did according to scripture based upon their previous production and ability. So the one who got five, the reason he got five is because he had shown himself in the past to be productive and faithful with what he'd been given. Then the one who got two and one got one, etc. So the master gives them talents, but then he goes away expecting that they'll produce with those talents. Well, when he comes back, uh, he was right. The one that had five uh, invested it and produced and gave him back 10 the one who had two 
invested it, produced, gave him back four. But the one who had one, you can see he was the one who uh, the master knew was the least capable. He took the one and he buried it in the ground. And when his master came back, he just handed it back to him. He said, hey, here's your money back. I knew you were a hard man. You reap where you don't sow. And so I didn't want to lose this for you. So I just want to give you back what you gave me. And I, I love this response that the word of God gives us. The master says, you wicked and lazy servant. Catch that. You wicked and lazy servant. And so um, I want you to put this in the comments. First thing of all today, God views laziness as wickedness. Put that in the comments. And I know that that's a, I know that that's a, a, a it's a convicting word for a lot of people, but put it in the comments. God views laziness as wickedness. God views laziness as wickedness. And we've looked at, for example, passages like Proverbs chapter six, where the writer of Proverbs says, go and consider the ant, you sluggard. Look at how she works without having a captain or a ruler. She works all year long, preparing for what's to come. Nobody's driving the ant. Nobody's a taskmaster over the ant. They just understand what needs to be done and they do it. And that's why the writer of Proverbs said in Proverbs 6, go and consider the ant. And what he's saying is that's how we should be as followers of God. We don't have to always have somebody on our back telling us, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. We should have our gifts, our talents in view and then steward them properly for the kingdom of God. And that's what I wanted you to see today. God views laziness as wickedness. So I'm going to break down some things today that will help you. And these are practical things, by the way. I've given you the spiritual aspects up front so that you'll understand the importance of developing your gifts and your talents. But then I always have people say, you know, how do, how do I do it? What is the best route to take to develop my gifts and my talents? And so today I want to give you some things that will definitely help you uh, write these down. And everybody watching me, I know God's given you something. It's not all the same. We're not all the same, but every one of us has been given something by God. The first one of the seven that I'm going to give you today is a spiritual one. And that is this, um, ask God for wisdom. You say, well, like, you know, I know the thing I'm supposed to be doing. I know what I'm called to do, but I just feel like I lack in so many areas because I don't know what to do. Number one, put it in the comments, ask God for wisdom, ask God for wisdom. That's a command from scripture. James chapter one and verse five, the Bible says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men and women liberally and will not rebuke them for asking. God will not rebuke you for asking for wisdom. And then imagine what's going to happen because that wisdom comes from God. You will have supernatural insight into the things that you're doing and that you're called to do. You will have then an advantage over others in that area, in that field that are doing the same thing you're doing. 
However, you've got divine assistance and they don't. And so you have an advantage, which is the Holy Spirit who teaches you all things. So I always tell people to start with this. As you're developing your gift, ask God for wisdom. Ask God to use you. So let me give you an example. When I first started playing the the keyboard, the piano, you know, I had no training whatsoever. I still really have no training whatsoever other than like what I've uh, dedicated myself to learning on my own. I've never been to um, college for music. I've never taken music classes and uh, none of that. I've got no formal training in music. And when I first uh, got the desire to start playing the piano, playing the keyboard and worshiping and all of that, um, I really asked God. I'm, I'm taking this from my own life. I, I obeyed this. I asked the Lord. I said, Lord, I pray, give me this ability to worship you, to praise you, to play and to sing. I had no previous ability. And so um, I, I, I had, not only did I pray, I had a man of God lay hands on me and pray. And that, that impartation came into me, but I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, I pray now. And then I, I'll tell you what I did. You can find this in a book I wrote called unhang your harp, how praise opens the door to every blessing that God has provided for you and prepared for you. I made a vow to God. This is what I did. I said, Lord, if you will anoint me, if you will give me the wisdom, the ability, the efficiency, you will never see me using my gift for the world. And I gave a vow to God. I said, you'll never see me in a bar band. You'll never see me playing in clubs. You'll never see me playing for some extra money in coffee houses or anything, doing secular music. Never. I promise you, I've told people this before. I know some people don't believe me. I promise you that if I got a call today, if I got a call today from uh, Bruno Mars or Justin Bieber or Justin Timberlake or whoever and said, hey, we want you to come on tour and play keys for about eight months. We'll pay you you know, $500,000 to come and be on tour and do whatever. I promise you that, that I wouldn't even consider going. I promise you. I would not even consider going. Well, you say, why? Wow, that's what an opportunity. And you could be, because that's not what I'm called to do. That's not what I'm called to do. I'm not called to go on tour and play secular music and use my gift that God gave me to go and do secular things with it. And I've already vowed to God and said to him, if you will anoint me, if you will use me, you will never find me using this gift for a secular purpose. It will always be dedicated to you, to your anointing, to your spirit. And I believe totally and with my whole heart that God has given me abilities based upon my faithfulness to the vow I made to him. I asked him for wisdom and then I said, I dedicate it to you. Imagine if you asked God for wisdom and then you dedicated your entire gift, your entire talent to the kingdom. For example, I'm thinking of guys like Nick who just said he's got a, uh, he said, I've, I've, I've got a, a test today for my investment license. Imagine, I'm sure he's done this already, but imagine he said, you know what? Uh, my entire investment business, as I'm uh, teaching people as a financial planner, as I'm investing, Lord, I dedicate this 
to you. And that what, when the increase comes to me from what I'm doing, you're not only going to get tithes, but you're going to get large seeds in the kingdom because I'm going to be a big sower. I mean, you dedicate your life like that to God. There's no telling where he can take you. Pastor Bill Motley said it here in the comments. The blessing is in the kingdom. That's exactly right. The blessing is in the kingdom. And so when you stay tied to, yes, I do remember that, Nick. I do remember that. Um, when you, when you stay tied to the kingdom, when you stay tied to God's purposes, he exalts you. He exalts you. You seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all of these other things are added to you. And that's it. It's a kingdom first mentality. We made that yesterday. We were talking about if you were to break your life down into a pie chart, and you saw each slice of the pie. This much goes out for mortgage. This much goes out for car payments. This much goes out for insurance. This goes, whatever. Always the kingdom should be, you should strive to make the kingdom the largest slice in the pie. And I thank God we've been able to do that. That's right. Hashtag kingdom slice. I'm telling you, uh, God's blessed us to be able to do that. Maybe you're on your way to that place, but make it a priority and watch God will cause it to happen. What are you doing? You're putting God first. That's number one today. If you want to dramatically increase your gift, ask God for wisdom, ask God for wisdom. He'll give it to you. Bible says, not only does he give it, he won't rebuke you for asking for it. So that's number one. Number two, second thing you got to do to dramatically increase your gift, schedule your increase. Schedule your increase. I'm going to break that down. Schedule your increase. What does that mean? Well, one of the things that um, really disappoints me is when I see people like, uh, let's say somebody's anointed to or has been called to play the guitar or something like that, and they are uh, playing at their church it disappoints me, and there are all kinds of people like this, that they come in and they play their guitar during praise and worship on Sunday, and then they don't pick their guitar up for the rest of the week until the next Sunday. It's like, I bring it to church, I play the guitar, I don't play it through the week. And they want God to bless them and use them and increase them in that area, and they never give themselves to it. They never give themselves to it. And so the number two that I'm teaching you today, schedule your increase. And I don't care what your gift or your talent is. It doesn't have to be related to music in any way. It could be coding. It could be financial management. It could be, it could be anything, whatever your gift is, whatever your talent is, schedule it. How do you do that? You make sure that every day you are giving yourself to that gift, that talent, and that you're spending time in that gift. My wife can tell you that even when I'm home and I'm, I play a lot and I sing a lot and I preach a lot, but even if I'm home and I'm not in a meeting or I'm not, you know, leading worship, I'll walk right into my office and sit down and sit down at my piano and just start playing and worshiping God. I'll just start playing and worshiping, giving myself to that gift or that talent, even though I'm not in the midst of a meeting or at church or whatever, I'll just walk in. I don't even have anything planned where I have to go play at some, it, it has nothing to do with that. 
I'll just go in there, sit down, and begin to use the gift God's given me. Sometimes I'll record it for other people. My grandmother was just uh, facing an attack and she's believing God for a touch. And I just went in, sat down, turned, I turned on the studio and uh, opened up the laptop and started recording. And I just began to play worshipfully, healing worship. I called it healing worship and uh, just began to play those old songs about the blood and the power of Jesus Christ, sitting there ministering to the Lord by myself, recording it, sent it to my grandmother so that she could just play it in her house, let the anointing move through her house as we worship the Lord. And just literally, it's just me and God. And I'm taking that time. I'm scheduling my increase. It blows my mind that there are many people who have gifts, who have talents, but they don't schedule any kind of increase. They don't schedule any kind of increase. They don't spend time daily, uh, maybe even studying in their field. You know, I was, I was listening to a show from Dave Ramsey. I've mentioned this on the broadcast before. And uh, he was putting, um, and I think uh, somebody was telling me Dr. Gene Lingerfeld did a whole series on this at his church from uh, what Dave Ramsey released. But uh, it was the differences between those that are uh, wealthy and those that are poor. And he showed the practical aspects of their life on a daily basis, what these do that others don't do. And one of the things that stood out to me was that people that are successful after they graduate from school, college, high school, whatever, they still read constantly to study the area of their own uh, career, job, business, calling, whatever. They stay studying. They stay reading all the time, audiobooks, podcasts, eBooks, whatever. And they're just constantly reading, 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 reading. And it made me think of this, that though they've gotten out of school, every day they're giving themselves to their gift, their calling, uh, to what it is that's their purpose in life. You can't ever let that go. You can't ever stop scheduling your increase. You've got to be that person that's hungry to go higher, hungry to do more, hungry to expand hungry. And, and, you, and you give yourself to that and you say, you know what? I'm going to take time every day. If God's given you a, a, a gift to write, sit down every day. And it doesn't have to be something you're producing, but write, take 30 minutes a day, take an hour a day and just write, just write. You, you're not going to get better from not doing it. You get better from doing it. Just sit down and write every day, every day. If, if you're learning coding on the computer and you want to be a coder and do different things, you want to write programs, you want to build websites, whatever it might be, sit down every day and write code. Every day, write code. If you want to, if you want to be an architect, listen, sit down, use your, open your computer, begin to design buildings. And no one's even uh, paid you to design, but sit down and begin to design. Sit down and begin to, to begin to do what you are gifted to do, called to do. Give yourself to it. Give yourself to it. And so you have to, you have to uh, schedule that increase. This is a pure disciplined dedication. It's a pure disciplined dedication to what you've been called to do. I'm blown away by how many people just kind of throw it in the background, go on about their life and never attack it. They never go after it. Focused dedication will cause you to skyrocket. 
skyrocket. Let me use this. Um, let me use this analogy one one more time. I've I've said something like this on the broadcast before. Let me let me uh, use this analogy. Um, I found I used to play a lot of uh, like video games, like role playing style games, where you have a character that you can build up his statistics in in different areas. And let's say he's a warrior, so he has you know um, he he fights with melee weapons or whatever. Uh, what you'll find out is that there's this idea, and I want you to put this term that I've used before in the comments. The term is power leveling, power leveling. I want you to put that in the comments. I'm going to share a secret with you because it works in real life. Power leveling. Um, what, what I discovered was, is that if you're building a character and you want him to level up real quick through the game, become a very powerful character, you have to ignore all of the attributes and all of the things that don't pertain to the type of character you're trying to build. So, for example, if I told you, as I did a moment ago, that I was trying to build a powerful warrior character, well, then I'm not going to uh, level up the, the skills that have nothing to do with a powerful warrior. You know, maybe somebody uses, a, um, you know, a bow and arrow or throwing knives or some kind of ranged weapons. No, I'm building a character that swings an axe or a, a sword or whatever. I want to build up his melee weapon ability. I want to build up his... Uh, physical strength. I want to build up his stamina. I want to build up his health. I would take the few attributes that will cause him to be that kind of a powerful warrior character and only focus on those, ignoring everything else. And then when you start doing that, it shoots you up in the game and you become a, the powerful character that you're looking to become very quickly. Um, one of the things that um, I saw this in, another medium I saw this in, uh, I was reading Sherlock Holmes. I love Sherlock Holmes. I've I've read through all of the all the stories multiple times. I've watched all the movies, even the old movies from the 40s. And one of the things you'll learn, and I put this in uh, my book on fasting that just came out. If you've read Sherlock Holmes, uh, when Doctor Watson first meets Sherlock Holmes, he's blown away by two things. He's blown away by how intelligent Sherlock Holmes is in certain areas, but then he's also blown away by how ignorant Sherlock Holmes is in many areas. And I'll explain what I mean. Um, he was blown away that Sherlock Holmes really had no idea about the solar system. Like when he met him, when he began to talk to him, he, he had, he was like, I don't understand. How do you not know, uh, the theory that uh, Copernicus had. How do you not know about the solar system? And the answer that Sherlock Holmes gave was extremely important. He said, I have no use for that any of that knowledge. I've got no use for any of that knowledge. And Sherlock Holmes goes on to explain to Dr. Watson that my brain is a limited compartment and I have to only keep in it the, the, the knowledge and the facts that I need to become an extremely successful detective. And he said the solar system and knowing about the solar system and other things that you've been talking about doesn't benefit me at all. He said this, in fact, now that you've told me about it, I'll do my best to forget it. That blew Dr. Watson away. Why would you want to forget that? 
because it has nothing to do with what I'm doing in life. So why would I spend my time with trivial facts? Why would I spend my time with trivial stuff? And so we're talking about this concept of power leveling. They, they say that in order to become an, uh, an expert at any given thing, and it doesn't matter what the thing is, they've come to this average and they said that you have to do that thing successfully for 10,000 hours, 10,000 hours to become an expert at that thing. So the question becomes, <clears throat> if you want to become the very best at whatever you are called to do, whatever is your gift and your talent, why are we spending so many hours doing things that don't pertain to the thing we're called to do and spending so few hours doing the thing that we are called to do? And so you've got to schedule your increase. This is number two of what I'm teaching you today. Schedule your increase. Every day, at least multiple times a week, if not every day, do that, engage in that thing, throw yourself into it. God's called you to do it. You're anointed to do it. Throw yourself into it and watch what God will do. Number three, put this down in your, uh, in the notes. Third thing, find a way to stretch yourself. Find a way to stretch yourself. Put that in the comments. Three, find a way to stretch yourself. Tackle things that you don't think you can do. You know, one of the dangers of development is just to continually do the things you know you can do. Why? Because they become comfortable. They become comfortable. You know, when you're working out, this is something that uh, people who work out, not me personally, because I do not, but people, people who go to the gym, people that work out, one of the things they recognize is that to continue to grow your muscle, you've got to constantly uh, stress that muscle out. What does that mean? You may have started in the gym bench pressing 135 pounds, but that's not where you want to stop. You want to continue to build your chest and define your muscles. So what do you have to do? You have to continually find ways to stress that muscle. It actually begins to tear and, and grow, tear and grow. So if, if you get to that place where 135 becomes very easy and you can bang that out 40 times, then you've, you're not doing yourself any kind of a service to stay there week after week after week lifting 135. It's time to stretch yourself. So if, if 135 becomes easy, then you need to jump up to 155, 175. And you say, well, that's hard. That's putting a lot of stress on me. Yes, that's the point. That's the point. You're growing. You're growing. You're going on to the next levels. But in, you'll never have next levels doing what's always comfortable, doing what you've always done. You've got to find a way to stretch yourself. You tackle things you don't think you can do, and then you accomplish them. It might seem more difficult. That's the point. It should be more difficult. It should be more difficult. Because if you're going to grow and develop and dynamically expand your gift, your talent, you've got to stretch yourself to levels you've never been to, things you've never accomplished, things you've never attempted even, but you have to go after them. 
Why? It's the only way forward. It's the only way forward. That's it. You cannot keep doing the same thing. I use this sometimes when I'm talking about giving. You know, maybe you've heard me use the analogy that when I was a little boy and I was going to children's church, my mom used to give me a $1 bill for the offering in children's church. And I was so excited to go in there and to sew that $1 bill because I knew pretty much all of the other kids, if they even had an offering, they had change. They had nickels, dimes, quarter, whatever. But I had paper money. It meant a lot to me. And I thought, man, this is awesome. I, I have paper money to give in the offering. But it, there would be a massive problem if I was 40 years old and I was still walking into church with a $1 bill in my hand and marching down to the front like I was the biggest giver in the church because I had paper money. It meant something at four years old. It doesn't mean something at 40 years old because I never stretched myself. Never stretched myself. That's right. Yep, that's right, Heather. You'll never have next levels if you stay in what's comfortable. Never. Never. And so what do you do? You find a way to stretch. I remember as I began to play the keyboard and I say, you know what, I've, I've done all this before and this is where I've always, I've been, the, I've been at this level of keyboard playing for a while. What can I do? And I can remember when I started to tackle pieces of music that were harder for me, much harder for me. I was like, man, I don't know if I could ever play this. I mean, I went to get some of the jazz greats and put their music in front of me. And um, I thought, man, I don't know if I don't know if I could ever play this, but it's a nice thought to like try to play it or whatever. But these guys are jazz monsters, you know. And um, and so I I sat down with it, and then which is this is number four that I'm going to give you, but I'll explain how I got here. I was uh, this shows you how old this story is. I had a VCR in my room in my bedroom. Had a VCR, and I somehow got a hold of a VHS tape of one of the jazz greats of my generation, Chick Corea, the Puerto Rican from New York, Chick Corea, um, who was a phenomenal, phenomenal jazz player. And I got, somehow I got this VHS of Chick Corea playing with a trio that he, he had with him, John Patitucci, and I can't remember who was on the drums, but um, he was teaching how to move forward in music. And he started to give uh, tips. And <clears throat> he said, one of the things, and this opened my mind to a whole new realm of possibilities when he taught this. I'm going to share it with you. So he said, when you get to something that you feel like you can't do, you know, you get this very difficult piece of music in front of you that you feel like you can't play it and it's beyond your skill level and all that. He said, how do you tackle a piece of music like that? He said, well, the way that you do it, you think about it differently. He said, instead of, oh, was it Dave Weckl on the drums? Dave Weckl, John Patitucci, Chick Corea. Um, he said, you think about it differently. He said, you don't try to ingest the entire piece of music in one sitting. And when he taught me this, it really changed everything about learning for me. 
He said, set that piece of music in front of you at the piano. And he said, um, look only at the first bar of music. Just the first bar. He said, forget the rest of it. Forget all the other bars, all the other lines, all the other pages. And just focus on the first bar. Just focus on the first bar. And he said, play that first bar until you've mastered the first bar. He said, now you've broke. So what is this? This is number four. And if you're taking in the notes, this is how I want you to write it down. The fourth way to dynamically increase your gift or dramatically increase your gift, take small bites. That's number four. Put it in the comments. Take small bites. Huge. This is huge. So again, I'm going to give you the first four. Number one, ask God for wisdom. Number two, schedule your increase. Number three, stretch yourself. And number four, take small bites. Take small bites. And that's exactly what I was doing with this is that I put a piece of music in front of myself that before it was just extremely intimidating, extremely intimidating. And I couldn't play it. But when I found this tip from, from chick and he said, take small bites, just focus on the first bar of the music. You can accomplish that. You can accomplish that. Can't you? Yeah. Well, the answer is yes. And just play that one, two, three, four. Then just play it again. One, two, three, four. Bum, 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 bum. You can play that over again. Bum, 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 bum. And you just learn that one bar over and over and over until you've mastered it. You can then move on to bar two. And one of the things that I used to do, and I'll still do it, is that uh, because you don't learn music independently of each other, they all flow together. So bar one, and then I'd move to bar two, but one of the things I would focus heavily on is the transition between bar one and bar two. What's the transition? How do I get from uh, bar one to bar two so they don't sound like two separate pieces of music, but that they flow together? Is there a way I have to move my hands? Is there a different fingering that will help me to play them both together without stopping? You see? And so slowly, that's right, Sandra. She said, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. You have to take small bites. And as you do that, you'll be able to accomplish difficult things, things that you never thought you could do. And you'll accomplish them by breaking them down into small chunks. And that's exactly, that's exactly what you've got to do with your gift and with your talent. You say, man, it seems like there's so much that's involved with what I'm doing. But you, you take small bites. I see, hey, Ted Melton. I see Ted Melton, who's, he's a master uh, woodworker, master. He builds things and, and just, it's masterfully done. He's built stuff for me before, just gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. But I guarantee you that Ted Melton did not start at the skill level that he's at today. He took small bites. He, he leveled up. He learned one skill at a time. And he mastered that skill. And while he was uh, mastering this, he was beginning this and he was continuing on to the place where he is now, where he runs his own business and builds things out of uh, wood and cabinets and uh, all kinds of stuff. He didn't start there, but what do you do? One small bite at a time. You're increasing 
You're increasing steadily, but you might be increasing uh, exponentially, but slowly. It's okay. It's all right because it's better. Think about this. It's better to move forward with things being mastered one at a time as you're moving than to be a jack of all trades and a master of none. Think about that. You're a jack of all trades. You're five miles wide and you're one inch deep rather than being one inch wide and five miles deep. And that's where the, that's where the masters are at. That's where the ones that have given their whole life to something and they are, you know, killing it. That's where they're at. They ignore everything that doesn't matter. They stretch themselves and they take small bites until they're better, 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 better. And that's the key. What is something, I want you to get it in your mind, get it in your spirit. What is something that pertains to your gift, your talent, what God's given you that you feel like, man, that's difficult. That's another level. I don't know if I could get there. You know, other people have, but I don't know if I really can. What is something that you feel is beyond you? The key is once you realize what that is, set yourself a strategy and say, you know what? I'm not going to try to accomplish it all at once. I'm going to do it piece by piece, piece by piece until I've eaten the whole elephant, as Sandra said, till the whole elephant is gone right? But you steadily move forward. You do something every day. You're always studying towards it, practicing towards it, giving yourself to it. And that's how you become what you become. You know, it's crazy. People, um, people marvel at what you can become when you join the military and go to boot camp. People marvel at that. You know, people go in one way and they come out however many weeks later and you're like, man, look at this guy. Look at this guy. Yeah, but the thing that they fail to realize is, is that they have a discipline system there that's set in place that is very, very strictly governing what that man or woman does with their time. Very strictly governing that. They're strictly governing what they eat. They're strictly governing how they sleep. They're strictly governing how many marches they go on a day, how many runs. Put on a 70-pound pack and run and run. And they come out and say, wow, you look so different. Yeah, I better look different after all that because I've been strictly governing every aspect of my life. I should come out of boot camp looking different than I went in. But see, the difference is this. Most people, and I'll say civilians in comparison to those in the military, they're not willing to put those same discipline parameters on themselves. That's why when you go to boot camp, you've got a, a drill sergeant. You have somebody who is giving you orders. There's somebody there making you do. But see, the average person, see, this is the key. The average person's not willing to put those same discipline parameters on themselves to make themselves be pushed forward. Most people aren't willing to do that. They don't like discipline. They depend on passion. And that is a big, big mistake. Passion doesn't come close to discipline. You know why? Passion will run out. The honeymoon phase of going to the gym in January runs out. Of practicing your instrument every day, coding every day, writing every day, whatever it might be. That runs out. The passion goes away. 
blogging every day, vlogging every day, journaling every day. It runs out. But if you depend on discipline, then you won't have to worry about the passion running out because you learn to say, no, it's this time of day and this is what I do every day at this time. Has nothing to do with how I feel about it. The passion doesn't drive me. The discipline drives me. And if the discipline drives me, it doesn't matter how I feel about it. This is what I do at this time every day. Discipline destroys passion. It's so much better. It's so much better. We don't do things because we feel like doing them. We do things because that's who we are. It's who we are. I'll tell you this. Um, and I, I'd, have, I'd have you put this in, um, in, the, in the comments section. And again, I, I recommended this book to you. You should read it if you haven't read it. Atomic Habits by James Clear. Put it in the comments. Atomic Habits, James Clear. They've discovered it's the identity change that makes people stick with what they're doing as a discipline or a habit. It's the identity change. It's the identity change. Instead of saying, I'm trying to be a writer. I'm trying to be a writer. And then you say, you know what? I didn't really write today. I'm, I'm, I'm really screwing up. I'm trying to be a writer, but it's hard. You don't say that. You say, I am a writer. You change the whole identity. I am a writer. And writers write all the time. I'm an author. I'm a writer. Even if you've never released one book, you start declaring it. I'm a writer. That's who I am. That's why he was saying the people that are successfully quit cigarettes versus those that don't, when, when the one uh, group is offered a cigarette, they say, no, thank you. I'm trying to quit. The other group says, no, thank you. I'm not a smoker. What's the difference? Identity change. Identity change. That's the same thing you've got to do here. If you're going to take these small bites, the discipline will outweigh the passion. You say, yes, I'm a writer and writers write. Yes, I'm a coder and coders code. Yes, I'm a musician, a musician's practice. You make the discipline pop in because you've changed your identity. Let me give you five. Number five. You ready for this? Number five. Use free tools. I, I don't know why people don't do this more often. We live in a generation where everything is available to us for free. Everything. You can learn anything online that you want to learn and from people that are doing it at a professional level for free. Use free tools. How are you not capitalizing on everything YouTube has to offer? In your own, literally in your own field, you know, I want going back to, to Ted Melton. There's guys online that can teach you everything you need to know about woodworking, about plumbing, about elect doing electrical work, about playing the piano, playing the guitar, writing, coding, uh, video editing, graphic design. I mean, I don't care what it is you want to learn. There is already somebody with a YouTube channel that's doing it at a professional level that can teach you how to do it. I mean, I'm not even kidding. Stuff that I didn't even think would be easy to find is very easy to find. You know, there was a time where uh, I was interested in learning how to do leather working, 
make things out of leather, custom things out of leather. And I was like, well, you know what? I got to figure out, I don't know anything about it at all. I was able to quickly and easily find like four channels of guys that do this and sell the work they've done. They walk you through every step of working with leather that, that you can, that you need to know every tool, what chemicals you need, everything. I mean, I wouldn't have known what gum tragacanth was if I didn't know from the, from those guys, what it takes to burnish leather on the outside. You know, all these different things. It's like, there's no excuse. Everything's free in front of you. If you want to learn the guitar, you don't need to go pay somebody for guitar lessons. That's one of the dumbest things. When you can go to anybody's channel, I mean, anybody's channel on YouTube and find out from the very beginning to the very end, how to play guitar, how to play the piano, how to play black gospel on the piano, how, you know, whatever it might be coding. You want to learn C You want to learn HTML five. You want to learn, you know, Swift, whatever it might be. Those people are already out there teaching it. And all you have to do is be willing to take the time to watch and make notes and practice it yourself. Free tools. I'm blown away by people that don't avail themselves uh, to the, the free tools. I mean, why would you ever pay for something? See, Miss Al said that I taught myself guitar from YouTube. I still pull things for keyboard from YouTube. I'll still learn new stuff all the time from YouTube. It's free. It's absolutely free. Let me give you the last two before I pray for you on this, on this Friday. Number six, you ready for this? I, I believe this is an important one. Number six, log your performances. Log your performances. So important that you do this. Log your performances. Log your performances. What, what, what do I mean by that? Well, it not only shows your growth over time, which it will, but it gives you an objective ear on what needs work in your, in your work, or maybe in the objective eye. So <clears throat> it's the main reason that people take before and after pictures when they work out, because when you're with you every day, you don't feel like you look any different, right? I made this uh, uh, point a while back. If you have family that lives in another state or something, and maybe you only see them at Thanksgiving or you see them at Christmas or whatever, and you bring your children to see them, maybe it's your mom and dad, brother, sister, whatever, and they haven't seen your kids in like nine months. And you know what they always say, man, look how big the kids are getting. Man, your kids have gotten so big. You know why they're saying that? See, you don't look at it that way because you see your kids every day. Last night I was scrolling through my phone in the back room after the service and I was going back to look for old videos and I found old videos of my daughter, Maddie, my daughter, Brooklyn, my son, Teddy, when they were really little, you know, I'm with them every day. So, you know, I don't necessarily notice those changes as dr dramatically, but man, looking back, it's like, shh, they've gotten so big so fast. And see, that's what it happens when you log your performances, you can go back and say, well, what did my guitar playing sound like last year at this time? right? And you've got yourself on video playing guitar and performing a song. What did my, what, what, what was, where was my coding at last, last year at this time? Where was I at in C++? Where was I at in HTML5? Where was I at in Swift? Whatever you work in. Where was I last year at this time? 
you know, whatever that might be. I was a writer. What, what did my short stories look like? What did my articles look like? What did my blog posts look like last year at this time? You log your performances. What it does is it allows you to see your growth, which is encouraging. Well, that's one thing that keeps you moving forward. You see your growth over time. Powerful thing to have at your disposal. The other thing it does is that in, in short spans of time, it gives you an ear or an eye on what needs to be worked on. So, uh, for example, when you, in the moment, you may not notice all of the mistakes, the time, let's say for a musician, you may not know all the, notice all the mistakes, the timing issues, the wrong notes. Uh, but when you record yourself, even if you do it on your phone and you go back and listen, you can immediately see, man, my timing is way off. Like I felt like I was on time, but man, my timing is way off when I play. If you go back and look through the last few and you say, oh, here's my last few projects that I've done, graphic design, video editing, whatever. I can see my issue here is that I'm not very good with this particular thing. And then what does that do? It gives you a, a goal, whether that be an objective ear, objective eye, you can hear or see what you're doing. And you say, oh, I can catch that. I'm not, I'm not doing that great at that area yet. So what does it do? It gives you a goal of something to work on, to go to the next level, to get better, to increase your gift dramatically. You see that? And so you're recording everything that's happening. You're, you're almost, it's, you're almost like journaling it so that you understand here's where I'm currently at. Here's where I want to be. And here's what's standing in the way of me getting there. So it gives you a clear path forward of what you can do to go to the next level. <clears throat> and then let me give you the final one. And I feel like this is a big one. Um, surround yourself with people who push you. That's number seven. Surround yourself with people who push you. This is massive. It's massive because uh, we could call this impartation. But um, one of the things that you have to recognize is uh, there are people that are doing what you're doing and are called to do at a much greater level. And if they can show you, for example, that's why there's so much power in, um, apprenticeship. You know, if you are going to be a, if you're going to be an electrician, why would you apprentice under a plumber? Makes no sense. If I'm an electrician, why would I apprentice under a plumber? Why would I not find a Mac, a master electrician and apprentice under them? Right. Uh, if I have the ability to connect with a great keyboard player and I'm a starting off keyboard player, why would I not connect with them directly? Because <clears throat> here's where I do say, uh, people usually go for this route without ever using the first one, which is use free resources. But it, it, I'm not saying that, uh, getting around somebody in real life is not helpful. It is. And more than anything else, that one-to-one -one ratio of teaching is vital because the person who's teaching you on YouTube, they can't see you playing. They can't see where you particularly are struggling. They can't give you customized feedback. Whereas someone who's connected with you in real life can do that. And they can say to you, 
Here's the area I can see it clearly. Here's the area you need to work on. And then you may not know how to work on it. And they can sit down and say, do it just like this. And they'll show you. That's impartation of wisdom. They're showing you what they learned over a long period of time. Let me tell you what I did. I, um, when I was younger and starting to play the keyboard and stuff, I know you've probably heard me say it. I would walk right up at 15 years old, 16 years old. I'd walk right up on the platform, even though I wasn't supposed to be, I wasn't part of the worship team. And I would sit on the organ bench next to Brother Shambach's organist, Willie Isaac. I would sit on the bench. What was I doing? I was watching his hands and feet. Obviously, if you know anything about the B3 Hammond organ, you play it with your hands and feet. And I would just watch Willie play. I would listen to Willie play. If Brother Shambach was preaching, and I'd still be sitting up there, I would want to see what is he playing behind Brother Shambach as Brother Shambach's preaching. How did he do that? Instead of trying to guess, here's somebody that's already a master at doing it, master at playing. I say, how did he do what he did? And I could sit there with that one-to-one ratio of teaching. And then afterwards, maybe after the service was over, I'd sit there on the organ after people were leaving and I'd play it a little bit myself and say, Willie, can you show me how to do the thing you did tonight? Yep. Brother Lance Palmer, who was the praise and worship leader for Brother Shambach, uh, he would write me chord charts and say, here's the song we did tonight. If you wanted to learn it, here's what you'd play. Here's how you'd play it. He'd give me tips and he helped me. He helped me. There were two people that helped me the very most in my life when when it came to this area. Uh, Chris Vance, who's the praise and worship leader at our home church in West Virginia, and Lance Palmer, Brother Shambach's worship leader. And those two guys, you know, I I, I knew nothing about the keyboard. And, And then Chris would sit down with me and show me how to play chords and show me how to do things. And then at the same time, when we'd travel, Brother Lance would show me how to do things give me chord charts and show me how to play revival songs and all that. And I knew nothing about it, knew nothing about it, but they helped me. So I dedicated that book to both of them on Hang Your Harp. It's dedicated to both those men because those are the two guys who pushed me the most that sharpened me. Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend, you see. And so that's, I got around people that knew far more than what I knew. You know, I have a friend who's a businessman and you know what he does when he's home all through the work week, multiple times a week, he meets these other businessmen for lunch. They're older, much older than him, much older. You know, he's in his thirties. They're probably in their seventies and they're millionaires. Every last one of them are millionaires. And he goes to meet him at a Mexican restaurant and he just sits there and listens to what they have to say. I mean, he's just listening to them talk. It's not like a seminar. He's just listening to their conversation. How do these guys think? How do millionaires think? You know, what, what, what plans are they making for the future? How do they think about specific things that are going on in the world? And what's he doing? He's just getting around those that are beyond him currently where he wants to go. 
You know, what do they think about business? What do they think about entrepreneurship? What do they think about investments? What do they think about how to spend money? And you look at all those different things and you realize he's being imparted to by those that have been there, done that, and got the t-shirt. That's the key. Surround yourself with people who push you, who push you. I don't want to be the top person in my group. <laughs> I don't want to be that person. Even, even when I play today, like for example, if you've ever seen me play with the band that travels with me, and maybe you've been to a camp meeting or something, every single one of the guys in the band are better on their instrument than I am on mine. Brad Strobel, he's better on the drums than I am on the keyboard. Tim Adams, he's better on the guitar than I am on the keyboard. John Grimsley, he's better on the bass guitar than I am on the keyboard. Pastor Steve Edlin, he's better on the Hammond organ than I am on the keyboard. I don't want to be the best one in the group. I want to be the one being pulled up higher by the ones that are around me. It makes me better to play with them. You see the point I'm making? It makes me better to play with them. I want to, and I'm not saying that for the point of trying to be modest. I'm telling you for real, like I'm not as good as any of them. And the thing that's happening, the more I play with them, the more I get pulled higher, the more I get, go to, to places where I want to go. It's like when you play sports, you know, if you want to get better at basketball, you, you don't, you don't go, let's say you were a senior in high school and you wanted to start getting yourself ready for college level uh, play. You're not going to go down to a fifth grade school and, and go out back with the basketball court with the guys in the fifth grade and start, you know, battling all against all the fifth graders and smacking their shot into the building. You're not going to get better from competing against fifth graders when you're a senior. You've got to go around them, even though you're, maybe you're a sophomore in high school and you go to the local college and start playing with those college guys as a sophomore, as a junior. Let them beat you around. Let them push you around. Get stronger. Go work out with them at the gym. See how those guys work out. Push themselves and push yourself with them. I'll tell you, two things happen. Number one, you're getting stronger and understanding what it's going to take at the higher level. But when you come back to play at your level that you're currently at, you'll be head and shoulders above the rest because you've set yourself to that higher level. Um, Mackenzie's asking the question, how do you teach someone? who you believe has potential to be better than yourself quickly? Do you refer them to other people? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, even when I was playing and, and raising guys up like in different settings, um, I'm not the end of their training. I'm just trying to point them in the right direction. And so, yeah, I would say, you know, you know those avenues. And so you say, like, listen, if you really want to see something great, learn something great, uh, you know, watch this YouTube channel, watch this tutorial, watch this guy, pick up what he's doing because you might be on that journey yourself and you just say, listen, here's where, here's the things that I'm looking at. Here's, here's what I'm studying. Go that direction yourself. And, um, you know, we, we did a pot actually, you know what we did a podcast on that. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen this Mackenzie, Jenya and I did a podcast on that, man, it's been probably years ago now, two years ago. But if you scroll back through, we did a podcast on how to lead others, um, even though you don't do what they do. So one of the things I asked Jenny to talk about, she's the praise and worship leader at our church. She's the music director, but she doesn't play an instrument like that. So 
How do you lead a keyboard player when you're not a keyboard player? How do you lead a guitarist when you're not a guitarist? And we did a whole podcast on uh, how to lead other people uh, places where you've never been yourself, but you're still the leader and you're still in charge. So how do you develop people when you don't even do what they do? Very, very interesting question. I would encourage you to listen to that one, Mackenzie. But yes, I would say you're right. Um, Be a direction giver for people. Like you may know stuff they don't know and know directions and know people they don't know. Point them in that direction. Say this will help you immensely uh, as you're developing your gift and your talent. So let me run these. Let me run these through one more time. Number one, ask God for increase. Ask God for wisdom. Number two, schedule your increase. Do something every single day. Number three, find a way to stretch yourself. Tackle things you don't think you can do. Number four, take small bites. Focus one little thing at a time and accomplish it and master it. Number five, use free tools that are available to you. Very important that you do that. YouTube is your best friend. Uh, Number six, log your performances. Always be able to see where you're at and where you've been and where you're headed. It shows you where you're headed. And finally, surround yourself with people who push you. Iron sharpens iron. No question about that. Iron sharpens iron. You've got to have it. The reason I'm, I'm giving you this today is because you are anointed. You are gifted. You are called. And because you are, that's why I started with Matthew 25. God expects you to produce with the gift, the calling, the talent that he's placed in your life. So we can't throw life into cruise control. We cannot coast. We cannot be lazy. Laziness is wickedness. We've got to push forward in what we're called to do and become the very best that we can be for the Lord. Why? Because the Bible teaches that whatever we do, we've got to do it as unto the Lord. I do it like the Lord is inspecting my keyboard playing. You write like the Lord is inspecting your writing. You you code like God is inspecting your coding. Everything you do, you do it as unto the Lord. Hugely important. Hugely important. I want to pray for you today because uh, one of the things I'm believing is that before this year comes to an end, that you will clearly level up. You'll go to another place in productivity. You'll go to another place uh, in in skill, um, in discipline, in efficiency. That's what I'm believing for you. There's people believing for promotions. I'm believing with you that you'll get those promotions and you'll continue to be so efficient supernaturally that when promotion is available, you're the first person that they think of. You're the first person. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for your precious people today. Give us a hunger to grow. Give us a desire to increase in the mighty name of Jesus. We know that increase is your plan. And we thank you that you've given us the ability. You've given us the mind. We have the mind of Christ. We have the Holy Spirit who teaches us all things. Nothing is impossible to us. And so we thank you. We give you praise. This will be the year that we dramatically increase. We dramatically increase in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for it. Open doors for us that have never opened before. Keep us in a place where we're always hungry to go higher and to do more in the kingdom of God and in our purpose. 
We thank you, Lord. You're using us mightily for your glory, using us for your kingdom. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. If you receive it, throw some fire in the comments section. Let me know you're believing, standing with me. Amen. Amen, Lisa. Amen. Before we go, I'm going to give you an opportunity on this Friday to sow seed. Sow your seed. You know, this is one of the areas where God's always watching the faithfulness. I kind of dealt with this yesterday. God's always watching your faithfulness in your giving, in your sowing. He's always watching to see if this is an area where you're stewarding what he's put in your hand. He's always watching. You know, one of the things I love, the Bible says in the book of Malachi that God holds and keeps what is known as a book of remembrance, a book of remembrance. And people, they hear that and they think it's like a, a negative thing. It's not a negative thing. It's not, it's not a negative thing. Let me pull it up for you. In Malachi chapter three, the Bible says, then verse 16, those who feared the Lord. So it's the people that love God. Those who feared the Lord spoke with one another and the Lord paid attention and heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. Think about that. It was a good thing, not a bad thing. Aaron or Jake said, I don't know how hashtag donate works. You can type in hashtag donate and the number you'd like to sew, and it'll pull up a link or a form for you to click and then complete that donation. So you do it just like you did, put hashtag donate with a number after it, whatever you'd like to sew, and a link will come up that you can click on. Um, <clears throat> think about that. A book of remembrance, not a, not a bad thing. Not like, I'm going to get you, you guys. You no, it's for those who feared the Lord. And God said, I'll never forget your dedication. I will never forget your faithfulness. I will not forget that you pressed in to my kingdom and did what was pleasing to me. It's a blessing. It's a blessing. There's the link right there. Aaron or Jake, you just click it to complete that donation and thank you for sowing. God remembers every faithful action you take. He remembers it. And I want to encourage you, talking about faithful people, faithful people. I want to encourage you to partner with Carolyn and with me. This is such a vital moment in history. Jesus is coming, but look at everything that's going on. Look at all that's going on around the world. You can clearly see the Antichrist agenda being pushed hard on this nation and other nations. They're setting up the infrastructure for the Antichrist to come and to control the earth. It's being set up now. Look at all the things that they're saying and doing, pushing things on nations, pushing things on people. It's a setup. And we've made up our minds that we're not going to bow our knee to the antichrist agenda of this world, we're pushing the gospel forward with faithfulness. We're going to do what God wants done. If you're ready to be a part of that team, if you're going to be a part of what God's doing, I want to encourage you to stand with us in partnership on a monthly basis. We've prayed. We've asked the Lord to send us a thousand faithful people at level one. 
that will stand with us at $85 or more each month. I know that there's people watching now, the Lord's dealing with you. You not only could do it, but he's speaking to you to do it. And if that's you, go to miracleword.com, click the partner link, the partner button. It'll take you to the page. It shows you everything we're doing, how you're standing with us and what it's accomplishing. Fill out the form and join us today. Join us today and be a part of a, a ministry that's literally touching the world, not just through crusades, not just through this broadcast, but now on television in 180 plus nations of the world and getting ready to expand again to 39 million more people. Step out and do something significant that will shake your generation before it's too late because Jesus is coming soon and we're not putting up with the devil's mess while we're still here. We have dominion over the devil. So I want to say thank you for sowing. And listen, for people that are uh, partnering with us in the month of August, we've got this book by Bishop David Oyedepo that we want to send to you. It's called Operating in the Supernatural. And uh, if you'd like to receive this, you've sown your seed. All you've got to do is go to miracleword.com forward slash offer and fill out the form. And um, it'll, it'll tell us where we can send you your copy of operating in the supernatural. It's a powerful, powerful book. And that's a powerful man of God, very powerful man of God. And so I want to bless you with that. Um, for those of you that are standing with us a thousand dollars or more, I'm also going to include with that a life application study Bible in genuine leather. And of course, for those that are selling $5,000 or more, taking a big step of faith, making an impact, we're going to prepare and send to you the elite study collection, the best resources available, in my opinion, to the believer for Bible study in a keepsake box we've prepared for you. You'll love it. Again, don't forget, we only have three seats left for the Victory Tribe Homecoming weekend, uh, November 12th and 13th. We need you to register. If you're a partner and, uh, and you wanted to come, but you've not yet registered, you need to hurry. Three seats left is all we've got. And it's coming up very, very quickly, very soon. Uh, and people need to make travel plans. We've even got hotel rooms left on the block uh, where you can get a discounted rate. Um, but we sent you an email. Check your junk folder. Check your promotional folder uh, to RSVP for this banquet. Uh, I also sent out a text. And so it's coming up quickly. We want you to be there. We want to hang with you, spend time with you. Can I say one more thing uh, before, we, before we go? And that is this. Uh, I want you to sign up to be part of the text family. I send out texts and it is me sending them. Uh, I stay in touch with you. I pray for you, but everything we're doing, this is what we would consider first in line. You're going to hear about it here first. You're going to get the link. Even when we sent out the RSVP link, those that were part of the text family, those partners got the ability to register first. This is the first in line. Uh, we've got some new merch coming out. We've got some stuff coming up for the fall, things that we're going to be uh, uh, making available. We've got some really cool stuff that's about to hit and drop for you guys. But here's where you're going to hear about it first. You're going to get the opportunity to get it here. So uh, if you'd like to sign up to receive text messages and to send me text messages, go to miracleword.com forward slash text. Miracleword.com forward slash text. If you fill out the form, puts your contact right in my phone book and we can stay in touch. Again, tonight's the last night in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. 
uh, it's going to be powerful. We're doing a family miracle blessing service. And then tonight, Carolyn is at Champion Christian Center in Washington, PA. Pastor Joey Miller for Chick Church. Uh, that's tonight. You don't want to miss that. And then Sunday, we begin at Champion Christian Center, Sunday through Wednesday, uh, for this week of revival services. Do not miss it. <laughs> Carmina said, thank you for the text. My husband asked, who's Ted? <laughs> oh man, that's funny. So don't miss it. Next week in Washington, PA, following week, we're gonna be in outside of Charlotte, Albemarle, North Carolina, and then on the 29th for one day only, Fitchburg, Massachusetts, Crossroads Community Church, Super Sunday. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. Can't wait to see you guys in person. Have a powerful and a wonderful weekend. Hope to see you tonight. Hope to see you at Champion next week. Love you a lot. God bless you. Have a great weekend. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.